Welcome to the Bacash Podcast. Happy, oh wait, I can't say Happy New Year because they might not get this until St. Patrick's Day. Or so what you meant I heard to that say, vibrate. I heard that vibrate. What you meant to say is Happy St. Patrick's Day, Easter, oh, 4th of July. Yes. Oh, independent. It's so warm outside. You have your sun glasses and you need sunscreen. Why do you have your hat on? It's cold in here. It is very cold. I'm still messing with the levels. So, the story about cash microphones as follows. We have two new microphones. However... Yay, and two-day shipping ended up being one-day shipping. I still want to know how come your mic is always louder than mine. I'm smarter. More intelligent. Oh, no, your gain is up higher. So And my gain is up higher. After three episodes of craptastic microphonography, um, actually, it wasn't bad. I listened to one because I posted it today. It, uh, there's a lot of like, <laughs> where that, because that one mic is like not very good. But really, the sound quality, it was a whole lot better than I thought it would be. So, so just quit turning the mic around and okay. like, no, no, no. Does I mean, like, like oh, hold it for know. a second and then okay. we'll introduce this oh, figure sitting at the end of the it. table. Okay. And then we can pass it around. But so so we, we got three people today, but two yeah. mics. Right, because I didn't have the foresight to bring the mic stand for a third mic. I tried to tell you, and you didn't listen. I suck. I suck. Um, so we have a special guest here today. His name is Keith, and uh, he was with us. If you were an old listener to the Dry Bones... Co- How was that again? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say the Dry Bones cast and the Dry Bones podcast at the same time, and it came out the Dry Bones. Nah, that's fair. Um, so he was uh, with us back then, and we twisted his arm enough and texted him enough and all that to get him to drop in onto the Bakesh podcast. So Hopefully fairly frequently. Yeah, he's going to see what he can do. So he's he's at least giving us one. We'll see what happens. He said five. Yeah, but he didn't say when and in what order and how often. And well, he said he'd start out with five. He said he, he's like, yeah, I'll do one in Deuteronomy and we'll see about the other four. And the mic is turned this direction, so he can't say otherwise. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, Keith, hey, hey, good to be back with you guys. Be um, a, li- a little closer. A little closer. Just right. a little, not a lot. Yeah, yeah. Is that good? All right, cool. Uh, until I learn how to turn up the gain. Gotcha. Cool. Well, I'm glad to be back with you guys. It's been it's been a minute since we all podcasted together. Um, I don't remember the last time we podcasted together. Last year. It's more. It's more than that. That's not fair because last year was three days ago. Oh wait. Um. <laughs> all right. We've been doing this one since it was spring outside. That's a lot of dead air. We're like, it's super depart. So it's been a minute, but I'm glad to be back with you guys. Um, It's a lot of fun to podcast uh, with some really good friends. So yeah, glad I could make this one. So we're going to let everybody out there who's listening, who's like, I didn't listen to the Dry Bones podcast, um, know who you are. So we're Which was awesome, and you should have. Go ahead, Don. Unfortunately, SoundCloud, I think there's only two episodes up at a time. iTunes still has one, I think. Yeah, you might be able to get one or two of them out there, but none of the other ones are hosted anywhere. Because SoundCloud was like, you could do it by minutes, not by size. So it was like, our, those podcasts are like an hour and a half to two hours long. And it was like, we'd get one up there and we'd have like no space for anything else. So if you can find it out there, good luck. If not, 
Bakesh.podbean.com. Ding. It's a good way to fit that in. I like it. Uh, other than that, um, uh oh, my little thing went off the screen. Uh, so Keith, we're gonna ask you tons of questions about who you are, so people get to know who you are, uh, and stuff like that. So, cool. uh, who are you? So I am. It's a really weird question. Um, I'm a man. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, he's a man. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't actually know where to go with that question. Um, How many? Wives, do you have currently one? Okay, wait. Currently, um, uh, this podcast just got weird. <laughs> I mean, I just said currently. I hey. mean, uh, okay, so since you guys are sharing a microphone, it'll be better if you don't lift it up and you just kind of, oh no, maybe not. Dang, that sucks. Why don't you guys go in the middle and then lean yourself in when you're ready to talk instead of moving the mic? It makes a lot of noise. Oh, does it? Yeah, I just realized that. I was like, oh, it moves. Okay, um, I turned the monitor up and now I can hear you guys. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, so you have to lean in a little bit when you go to talk. Sorry, everybody listening. I'll cut this so out. Does, head, does this work? Yeah, then? that's perfect. Oh, that was okay. perfect. This is good for me. Is yeah, that's good. To, okay, I'm cool. probably louder than you guys now. All okay. right, we got this figured out. Okay, so uh, Keith, you're married. Give us give us the family background, yo. Cool. So yeah, I've been married for 12 years. So wonderful wife, um, and I have two kids. Uh, they are three and six. Um, fun times trying to get my little one out of diapers. Um, that's why I will not be having any more kids ever. Um, that's what I said. And then three came overnight. And I say Scott is more obedient than I am and I will run from that. So, um, (laughs) you wake up one morning, there's like kids on your doorstep and you run away and the kids are still at your house. Yeah. That's gotcha. Fine with me. But (laughs) yeah, I will. Yeah. We, we have two and, and we're good with two. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've, I've been, I live in Cincinnati. Um, obviously with these guys been here my whole life. Uh, grew up here, and uh, I live in Middletown. It's not my fault you moved away. We don't we don't live together in Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati area. Okay, that's you're close. still that's you're good. you're basically Cincinnati. Wait, yeah. I don't when know. You might be giving Middletown a little bit too much credit. Well, here's the thing: no one's gonna say like when someone says like, "Hey, where are you from?" You don't say Middletown. You say Cincinnati. No, no, I say, I say know. Middletown because like, since you don't want us and Dayton don't want us. It's like, <laughs> This is true, but you, you say Cincinnati or Dayton because those are the touchstones. You don't say the. Yeah, usually, I, I would say Cincinnati. I'd be like, yeah, I live in the Cincinnati area. I live just north. There you go. But, um, so, do you work? I do. Um, I work for a church. I've worked for a church, um, for almost whole, my whole professional career. Um, you had that one stint at Chick Fil A. One stint. No, I wait, did. did you really? Did you really? I did, but at I was Chick- also, but I was still working at a church. So. At Chick Fil A, you really mm-hmm. didn't know that? Yeah. No. I mean, I was, I was yeah, be before silly. I got my internship, I worked at Chick-fil-A. Um, What's the key phrase all Chick-fil-A people say? Um, As you wish. No. Yes, your master. And this is close to that. Your pleasure. Oh, your pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> my, my pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. Your pl- I don't remember. Hey, could I have some fries? Your pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I hear my pleasure, I'm like, you worked at Chick-fil-A, didn't you? <laughs> I was making fries, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you had to talk to people? Not really, because you're making good. fries. Because I don't want to talk to people. Um, I'm introverted. So, yeah. Um, I work for a church. It's, it's really awesome. I love it. Um, I wouldn't honestly want to do anything else. Um, I, yeah. say, I wouldn't recommend it. I love it. Wouldn't recommend it. Love it. <laughs> no, it's, it's not for the faint of heart, for sure. But what, What's your pastor going to think of this podcast? I don't know. Do we, do we have to disclose this to him? No. Be like, yo, bro, we're talking about Deuteronomy with your boy? No. Unsanctioned? We're, we're good. I think I, I had to disclose the other podcast because that was a little bit more explicit than this one 
that's a good way to put it. We had like five people around a microphone at one time. Four. Did we have four? I had four one yes. time. Yeah, we had four for a while. Wow. That that has to bring back old times with you two then. Mm-hmm. I got my own microphone. Sorry. Oh, that's true. I can bring the snowball there. I still have it. I have to it's the same issue with this. I'd have to make the whole oh, aggregate. Okay. It won't either way. It doesn't matter. Gotcha. So okay. Well. What other questions do we ask? Um can you recite the books of the Bible in order? No. Are you good at video games and basketball? No. Okay, that's fine. All right, what's All right. next? Um, I'm sorry. I've, I've always dominated you in those. Is that what you meant to say? No, he's a liar. <laughs> I'm trying. We play, have we played basketball? I remember one time, but we played a bunch of little kids that beat us. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wait, was that basketball or football? I was bas- no, football. We, we were pretty much bullying those kids. Okay. But... You know, it is what it is. Scott and Don are not what we would call manly. I don't know what you guys have been listening to for the past 16 or 17 episodes, but they're not what I would call manly men. And so anytime we play any type of sports, they just get like, like they said, like little kids beat them. So it's always really fun when we play. It's It's called having mercy on little kids. Wasn't the Ten Commandments, that was like... Oh, Deuteronomy he, five. You he should that listen episode. to do all the five. <laughs> I think there's like five episodes in Deuteronomy five. Listen to those until you find. <laughs> it's the lying part you got to deal with. I, I'm just, uh, I don't. I don't think so. I'm I don't just, think so. I'm just thinking of that whole birthday party where it took like twenty people to corral me. Okay, that was fun. Um, that was that was also like ten years ago. How you were wearing makeup? I think I, that was awkward. That was after I lost. How many people did I headbutt that Hint night? Hint you said lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when 20 people are trying to tackle you and duct tape you, after a while you're going to I realize you can't count, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. You guys had like the whole youth ministries. Looks like two people need to restudy Deuteronomy 5. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't. It was that one kid, Brian, the drummer kid. I headbutted you and you gave up. You were actually ready to give up, if I remember correctly, because you were like, I almost thought there was no use. I don't remember what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not the way I remember it either. There are pictures out there somewhere. Wasn't there another birthday where you got stuck in front of an ice skating rink tied up? I want to hug the blind guy. That's (laughs) That's all I remember from that one. You actually had a streak of birthdays that wasn't safe. No, I still feel like that's the case. That's why I moved to Middletown safety that's fair <sighs> all right anything else we need to know about keith besides his lying tongue wow just just getting you see this is why dude straight up calling us the not manly non-athletic <laughs> i'm like i'm a dude he I, admitted that he got beat by kids i don't i don't understand you know, what i'm doing wrong that's here that's fair <laughs> <laughs> not, have you guys ever seen the cable guy nope it's been a while so th- there's a scene where Jim Carrey, it's Jim Carrey, the cable guy. He's going to play basketball with these guys he doesn't really know. And he like does like stretches at the beginning and like all these calisthenics. And then they play like filters. Hey, man, nice shot while the game's going on. He's like, <laughs> he's like checking people. And then, like, then he like dunks, like breaks the backboard, and, like glass sprays all over the place. And he's like talking trash the whole time. I'm not doing that to a bunch of little kids. <laughs> Except my own. I do kind of, I'm a little merciless to them. But hey, anyway. Your reasons are your own. I'm just, you know, I'm just, here, to, I'm just here to help. Uh, grace and mercy on the children. All right. Anyway, uh, Scott, what did we talk about last time? Deuteronomy 
Seven. Oh, by the way, nice segue. Yeah, we're going to get right in. We are still, I know you're like 12 minutes in. Like, is this actually going to have Deuteronomy? But yeah, we're going to, uh, we finished up <coughs> chapter seven. We're going to jump into chapter eight this time. So, y'all vibrating phones. All right. Uh, so, we're going to do eight, one through six this time uh, to start out and see how far we get. Sounds good. So, All right, so I'll go ahead and read. Yeah, go up, man. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would, be, uh, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live on by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out, and you and your foot did not swell these forty years. You know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey. And I think I went further than I was supposed to. You went to. way more further. I was like, what are you saying? I didn't. All right. Let's we, go. we can cut that out. Hey, hold on one second. We've got a guest. Right there. We just had to. Awkward break there. We just had to take a second. We had a, a guest in the room, and we didn't want to spill their business out. So, thank you for reading. Yeah, so, so you may have read too much, um, and so you're saying we stopped. Uh, well, I guess we're gonna stop at six, and then we can go back. That was the. Yeah, I think six is where we're gonna go back. Yeah, I think six is where we're gonna. All right. So, what kind of things did you guys discover this week as you were looking through Deuteronomy eight? Did you guys discover this week as you I the one thing that I came up with off the bads once again, and I don't know if we've talked about it before, but there's definitely a lot of like well we have in a way, but there's a lot of structures to the book, and one of the structures that we see repeated here is we see kind of how God's timeline, not timeline, but the way God's like chain of events happens. So there's always this like command to obey. There's always this command to remember, and then there's a command to worship. And when these like are followed in order, you see the people of God being blessed. And that's kind of an order that once again throughout chapter eight we see uh, going through here. So we at the beginning, I was trying to go back to the starting with verse one. It's like I command you today, you shall. Starting with verse one, it's like I command you today, you shall be careful to do the. Or be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. So once again, there's the commandment of what you're supposed to do. And then in verse 2, he immediately says, and you shall remember. So once again, we have a, a, a book that's full of a lot of different structures. We have another structure taking place, and it's just kind of like that. It's almost poetic in the way Moses continually uses these, you know, cause and effect. Well, the commandment that he's talking like that about cool. is, is that was cool. uh, although we're a couple chapters ahead, the commandment is still talking about the Ten Commandments. Although we talked about a couple chapters ago, 
Um, that, that's kind of the commandments. And, and I like how he continues to say that the commandments are actually a good thing. Um, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply um, and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. So it's kind of one of those things where um, the Ten Commandments are continually seen as a good thing um, and leads to a better life and a better society um, by, by following those. All right. Yeah. Um, yes. We are in agreement. Chapter yes. 2 or verse 2, and it says, And we you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep the commandments or not. Mm. So I, I put to humble. Um, Christopher Wright says, um, he says it's used as a verb. Yeah. And that it's often used in the sense of to afflict. Yeah, um, yeah that's what I'm talking about. Right. I was wondering if Grisanti and Wright Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Did he address that then? Yeah, it's an interesting way to think of humbling somebody. Yeah, it's an interesting way to think of humbling somebody. Because we tend to think of it as something. I mean, you see it like you know, it, in an athletic event or whatever on a field. Like, you know, they were humbled that day because they lost or whatever, but it's not typically like a physical. Sort of word, like this, like to afflict. Well, he uses the word test. Um, so testing you and to humble you. So again, I guess part of it, part of it could be, I don't know if he really addresses it much as a discipline thing, um, but as a testing in your heart to know, or testing you to know what was in your heart or to humble, um, which I thought was actually kind of fairly interesting. Because um, the, the testing kind of confirms whether we trust God or whether we don't trust God. And so those 40 days in the wilderness um, was really not, uh, I guess we talked a little bit about how the Israelites ended up testing God. But ultimately, it was God testing uh, God testing his people to see if they would still obey his commands, even when things got difficult. Right. Talking about, once again, sorry, we had another... Right, we have a lot, this is the we should title I'll forget to we'll have to title this one like unexpected guests <laughs> um, expected and unexpected guests so we have like this this very elaborate studio where we record called Scott's My basement, basement. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, sometimes people drop in but no biggie um, yeah I think a lot of what I got with with that verse two was there was a lot of um like with with God afflicting here a lot of times you think of that when somebody's afflicting somebody else it's often like a negative it's something that's that's very much in a negative light to afflict somebody you think of like you know a bully afflicting uh punishment or abuse on somebody or you think of like you know maybe like a supervillain afflicting uh the superheroes uh, afflicting innocent people or whatever it happens to be and th- then you got to take like this section here this verse here and you got to wrap your mind around like god afflicting his chosen people or humbling his chosen people. And it's really a, just like a different dynamic to look at, to think of how, how can affliction be a good thing for anybody when, you know, like I said, it, it often comes up as like a negative. So, cause I haven't read the commentary that you guys, that you guys have. Um, and so I'm just wondering like the affliction part, because, to me, it's it's just a matter of perspective. Um, 
Like, do you view God's testing as a hardship, or do you view God's testing, or did they view God's testing as something to, um, like, something to like, like, balk at versus like, oh no, this is this is part of him making me, him making us into like you know his his chosen people. Um, so so I'm wondering like in your in your commentary, um, like where does he where does he correlate affliction to what does it say um, to humble? So that uh, that comes actually. I, I can look up the. I can butcher the Hebrew. Um, the hold on a second. Do, 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 do. Go ahead, talk to among yourselves for a second. Yeah, I mean, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just kind of repeat the question a little bit. I'm just I'm just wondering, um, you know, because because the like at least the translation I'm reading from doesn't um, doesn't give that. Like, so I'm wondering, like, why not use harsher words there, if if the connotation is like affliction. Versus, so, so the basic idea of the verb. Um, oh shoot, he doesn't give a nice enunciation. Uh, it'd be like Anna, Anna. That's what I got. Yeah, sounds close <laughs> enough. Um, in the in the phrase, and he uses the whole phrase that he might humble you is in the pile or to f- uh, apply force to someone so that their state of existence becomes worse. The verb describes affliction in Israel experienced at the hands of the Egyptians in uh, 26.6 of Deuteronomy. Um, in the Davidic covenant, Yahweh promised David that evildoers would no longer be able to afflict God's people. So in Second Samuel, it uses the same phrase again. So over and over again, this phrase, when used in the Old Testament, is often to, uh, to humble somebody is to make their state worse or to afflict them with something. So that's where the... Like, that's where the the background is coming from is where else is that phrase used? And the people of Israel very much were like, like, where's our food? Why is it? Why is there no water out here? Why did you lead us here to die? Now these people are attacking us. Hey, just if you guys hear what sounds like somebody making kissy noises, there's a little baby in here eating a pacifier. And it's like the cutest thing. So we're talking about affliction and humbling. And we're sitting here looking at this cute little baby that Scott's holding uh, with a pacifier. It's awesome. <laughs> so just if you hear that, that's not Scott sucking his thumb as usual. Hey, you weren't supposed to say that. Yeah, too late. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, there's definitely that. They definitely felt like God was picking on them, which I, mm. you know, well, let's look at like when we suffer. That's something that we tend to, you know, when something's happening to us, anything from car problem to when problems start to stack on each other or whatever, we were really like, man, why, why God am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? And we tend to play the, we're really good at playing the Israelite <laughs> at stuff like that. I think you rescued me this past week when I was doing something like that. Yeah. And then I got afflicted with buying crappy stuff at an auction. <laughs> <laughs> that just led to an adventure. Mm. But Crappy, crappy adventure. <laughs> so by, by accident, I came across uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2 this week. Um, by accident, you came across one of the most famous <laughs> sections of verses in the New Testament. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm not in the New Testament right now. I'm in the Old Testament. Yes, yeah, sure. We OT up in here. <laughs> so I was, I was at church, and, and I don't remember what the sermon was about, but somewhere in there, deeper, uh, <laughs> they hit Romans 12, 1 through 2. And, and it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern that what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And, and sometimes I've actually, um, sometimes I've kind of heard it where, you know, they, they've used that idea of testing as kind of like, well, that gives me permission to test God. And, and I was like, whoa, wait a second, that's not true. Um, This kind of goes back to Deuteronomy 8, where where we're talking about this idea of of God actually testing us. Um, And it's through that testing, um, or I guess we're being transformed by the renewal of our mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So it's it's through that testing that gives us the ability to discern um, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Um, So, again, I, I don't know if... If he was thinking about this when he was actually um, writing Romans, but it, I still kind of thought it was interesting to at least see that connection back in the Old Testament where um, God would, would, in a sense, test us, but through that testing, um, we would end up being, I mean, he would find out what was legitimately in our heart. Um, but I think Paul takes it even further um, by saying that we can discern what is the will of God through that testing. So mm-hmm. it's through that testing in the wilderness that... that God, in a sense, can kind of bring us closer to him. Um, so it's not really necessarily a bad thing, but but actually a good thing to go through that testing and to allow God to, to kind of work with him in that way. Um, so, I, again, I, I, I don't necessarily know um, if, if that's what Paul was thinking, um, but I can definitely see, you know, that, that parallel of seeing God's character, God's action, God's humbling and testing um, definitely can, I, I think, fit into what Paul was saying and, and vice versa. But I think that's um, what we see. So I actually have a note. I don't know if I if I stole it from Grisanti or if I stole it from Wright. I don't think I read a lot of Wrights in Chapter Eight. I went through him big time on Seven. Dude, he does Seven so well. Anyway, um, I did. Um, I have it. It's not a simple humiliation. It's not like the dude who's just gonna like you know deep pants you so that everybody laughs at you. This isn't like like affliction in a way to hurt you. But like you're saying, it's like a way to refine you or to make you more holy. It's not a, you know, not like a, uh, you know, a way to make fun of you or to like make sure that others are ridiculing you or it's not God. It's not an affliction for God to build himself up and make himself look even more awesome and all powerful because he already, he's like secure in who he is and he doesn't have to do that. Like, cause he's God. It's a, it's a, it's a way for us to be made stronger and to like, you know, see our sin and see what's bad and see what we, we shouldn't have on our inside and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if Paul was like, man, that section in Deuteronomy, but he had Deuteronomy memorized, so possibly. Now, he may not have, but Jesus had some Deuteronomy memorized. No, they had to, uh, he was a Pharisee, so he had to memorize the first five books, bro. Oh, that's true. I guess By the time he was like been. 12. Well, I guess he is. Well, I guess he should be able to boast, and, right? Yeah, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. Yeah. So hey, that's what he called himself. He was the he was the Hebrew of Hebrews, the Pharisee of Pharisees. So Paul talked a big game. So well, Jesus used Deuteronomy a couple of times, and then he was humbled by being knocked off his horse and blinded. So God afflicted Paul on the road to Damascus, which humbled him and brought him to wow. So Paul mm-hmm. had his wilderness then. Yeah. <laughs> mm. he did because he was like Jesus like he kind of like why is this happening to me like what what is like like he's questioning like in the same way that the Israelites are like where's my stuff like 
Where's my food? Where's my water? I'm, I'm, pretty, my sight? I'm pretty convinced that the thorn in his sides were kidney stones. <laughs> Paul and I can relate. <laughs> I, I, you may be reaching there. I, so I, have like, I don't know. You need to read the Greek. I, I have uh, inner ear issues, and whenever they flare up, like I, I always try and tell myself, like it's not as bad as Scott's kidney stones. <laughs> like, I can't hear it in my left ear, but it's not as bad as Scott's kidney stones. Preach. <laughs> Again, thorn in the side. I mean, yeah. It's it's kidney stones. He had kidney stones. It's you know could possibly be. I mean, some people think he was struggling with sin. Others think he might have been like you know beat to the point where he couldn't like use a body part, or maybe he got beat into some kind of you know uh, cripple state. But it could just be or kidney, kidney stones. stones. <laughs> Are you talking about Romans seven? Uh, Wherever he said he's got a thorn in his side. Gotcha. Kidney stones. <laughs> I don't think that's Romans. I can't remember. It's it's later in his life. I think. No, it's part of Romans. It's Romans. Yeah, it's Romans seven. He he goes in on like like I hate my sin and I hate that it's a part of me and I wish that it wasn't. Like he goes like back and forth. It's it's almost of a tug of war. Like and you can kind of see the struggle inside of him. Um, That's why it's one of my favorite chapters um, in Romans, just because it's it's so honest and it's so helpful. I'm uh I'm doing a fact check for for which one the thorns. I was trying to find out. 2 Corinthians 12. I mean, 2 Corinthians 12. I was like, really, Don? Two, 11, 11 and 12. No, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. I can't read. Why are you guys let me read stuff again? You know I can't do that. But yeah. Th- um, so, okay. Any, uh, any more on affliction and thorns and kidney stones? Paul and I, we're tight. Quick baby update. Kidney baby stones. sleeping. He's That's like odd. really sleeping. Dang. Um, so, talk about it, or else I'm gonna want another one. So then I think he goes to describe some of the humbleness, and he says in verse three, "And he humbled you and let you hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord." Wait a second, where did we hear that at? That sounds familiar. I think it has to do with somebody else in the wilderness. Ooh. Who's very hungry because they haven't eaten for forty days? Um, Abraham. No, nah. come on, bro. New Testament. Uh, okay, okay. So here's the funny part: is when I was reading this, I was like, Scott will link this to the New Testament verses. I don't have to put any notes in here, and now here you are. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Sunday school answer, kids. It's Jesus. Um, to be specific, Matthew four four. You're you're the New Testament scholar on staff. Let's see. Sorry, I got to scroll down to that part of my notes. You like that? I just like insulted you. I called you the New Testament scholar. No, not on the Deuteronomy <laughs> podcast. That's not cool. All right, Deuteronomy four four. I'm pretty. We sure. love the the New Testament. We just talk about the old more. For all the people that just got scared. <laughs> Keith very much loves the New Testament. I don't know about these guys. No, we we love the New Testament. We just like, you know. I think we bonded over OT. <laughs> All right, my bookmark is gone. All right, Matthew 4, 4. And so currently Jesus was in the wilderness, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago because um, Jesus likes Deuteronomy a lot. Um, and pretty much when he was being tempted by Satan, he uses Deuteronomy a whole lot. Um, and so I think Deuteronomy 6 through 8 
um, becomes his go-to for for kind of um, fighting back with Satan. And he, this was when uh, I guess one of the first things that, that Satan kind of addresses. Um, he says in uh, Deuteronomy or Matthew four one. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the temper the temper came and said to the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered it. Uh, he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So basically. Um, it is written, um, he is specifically talking about it is written in Deuteronomy um, 8.3, um, that uh, man shall not live um, uh, by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, referring to um, the wilderness when they are being humbled um, and being hungry and they were fed by manna. Nice. So when, um, when we're looking at... Uh, like the the verses there, um, oh, you're taking the baby. Uh, we're losing our baby. We we lost our mascot. Bye, baby. Oh man, look at him, dude. Bye, special guest baby. Sorry for all the distractions this evening. Is that, we I, got a busy I, house, dude. I, I have already like this is the podcast of a thousand guests. <laughs> <laughs> um, but man, we just lost like the cute one. We get to keep Keith. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, with three, the idea here being that bread or manna uh, is dispensable. It comes and goes. But God's word is something that's eternal. It's more profitable. It's more important than any earthly thing that you could possibly want or have. It pales in comparison to to God's word. It's kind of the 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 theme or the the power behind what Moses is saying here and then later what Jesus is repeating. I think I like what Christopher Wright says. He says, all life on earth needs bread or its equivalent. Human life needs the mouth of God that first breathed into our nostrils. For while bread will keep us physically alive, it is the word of God that uniquely gives human life its meaning, shape, purpose, and value. And I was like, ooh. Freaking Christopher Wright, man. Seriously, I was like, that is good stuff. And so, so really, that, that means that, that what comes from the mouth of God is, is his promises, um, the claims of God's covenant, um, the guidance of, of, of God's Torah, uh, the articulation of God's purpose for creation and humanity. Um, basically, life is not just our physical needs, but so much more. Um, and so ultimately, I, I think Jesus um, is, is responding to... to um, Satan and, and God is responding to, to the hunger of these people being like, it's life is so much more. It's not the, the bread that gives you purpose. It's not the bread that actually fulfills, but it's actually the, the word of God. It, it's um, the, the mouth of God that, that ultimately is, is what truly fulfills, that gives us um, so much more than, than what we think we need with just food. Um, so I was like, ooh, that is a powerful, powerful verse um, that Jesus uses and that, that even God's using in Deuteronomy um, mm-hmm. 8 3. Oh, I thought you are you? No, I mean. Oh, I thought you were about to jump in. Um, no, just to I'm say right. that in, you know, in complete agreement, that is, um, it's super powerful when you look at what we read before in terms of like um, 
being tested and what being like tested means. And so the devil, you know, then going and testing um, Jesus in Matthew four, um, and just how Jesus responds to that, I think is mm-hmm. is what is how the Israelites were supposed to respond back in Deuteronomy eight, but we just we didn't see that happen there. Yeah, we definitely. You're right. That, that's kind of I was in the back of my head a little bit there was there's definitely that like like jesus is hungry he hasn't eaten in 40 days and he you know israelite cried out to moses and said feed us you're letting us die here as opposed to crying out to god saying hey we are hungry can you please you know feed us and take care of us instead they they i mean they they cry out they yell at moses they blame him they say you brought us here to die etc right jesus instead of having the like you know, lousy response that I would have or the Israelites had, or, you know, he comes out with the perfect response. Like, dude, this bread doesn't mean nothing. Like what's important is that Jesus, well, that I am Lord uh, as said by Jesus, like what's important is the words that come out of God's mouth. So, so my question then, and I don't mean to get off topic, but my question then would be be like, and it's, it's, I mean, it may be a tough one to answer, but like, does Jesus answer that way? Because he is God, and obviously, like, yes, he is. But does he answer that way because he knows who God the Father is? Or does he answer that way because he is God? Does that make sense? Because, like, the Israelites, if you think about it, like, they saw the miracles. Like, they were there (laughs) when, you know, manna was falling from heaven and they didn't understand. Like, they were there for that. So they saw and they knew and they trusted at some point. Mm -hmm. At some point, in my mind, they decided that their wants and their needs are a little bit more important and they forgot about who was the actual provider, who was the actual person giving them all those things. But Jesus knew that. So my question is, how did Jesus know, like... Well, that's a um, hypostatic union. So Jesus comes here fully man. He's able to feel pain. So he gets hungry. He knows what, like, what it feels like to not eat for 40 days. He knows what it's like to be in a desert and not you know, have any nourishment around him, to be you know, in a wasteland of nothing. Um, and then to be tempted afterwards, he knows what that feels like. And that's how we see when we see, like, the promise of God. That, like, we, you, you know, when you talk to somebody, they're like, well, he came as a man, and he lived a perfect life and died a sinless death. And it's like, those words, that sentence, phrase, or whatever, kind of loses loses its meaning after a while. Um, but that's what that phrase is talking about. So he came fully man. He set aside that, you know, that, I hate to say he set aside that divinity, even though I think like, you know what I mean? Because he didn't like, yeah. he didn't like forfeit his God card because even in that same section of scriptures, Satan says, well, you could call down angels to save you. And he could have, and he knows he could have, but he did not because he knew that he, you know, there's that the, there's a plan in play that had to be fulfilled and carried out. Um, but so God knew his, or Jesus knew his full divinity. He knew that he was part of that, you know, that triune God, um, and what he could do, but he wasn't going to, and this could be, this is a New Testament commentary. Um, he wasn't going to allow Satan to circumvent the plan. He was going to continue with what he was supposed to do. And he was going to obey God and not Satan. He wasn't going to make bread because Satan said, we'll make bread. You know, if you're God, I'll prove it to me. He wasn't going to take the bait and take the command of Satan and to, to allow himself to fall under Satan's rule there. So, so my reason in asking the question, I think you said it in your answer, like he knew the plan and the Israelites forgot that at some point in time. They didn't, like, uh, yeah, I would say they like, didn't forget or they, be- they didn't believe it. They didn't believe, yeah, they just didn't believe uh-huh. it. And I think they that's what, that's what happens to us time and time again is that oh, amen, brother. We, we, we hear the plan, 
we know the plan. We know the 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 person that gave us the you know we know the God that gave us the plan. Somehow, some way, we just forget. Um, yeah, dude. Amen. Like but, all the time. And I think we even talked about how in chapter seven he says, "Lest you forget." And then you get into Deuteronomy mm. eight eleven, and it says, "Lest you forget." Um, I mean, <laughs> you mean since you forget, right? I mean, over and over and over again. And then really. Um, Spoiler alert, in the end of Deuteronomy, Moses is like, yeah, um, all of this stuff sounds good, but when you mess up and when you forget. So, so I mean, over and over and over, I mean, I think the problem comes down to, lest you forget, we, we so many times see God move in so many amazing ways, and we so quickly and easily forget what God is, is, has done right. and what God is doing. Um, well, that's and like, if you look at that structure at the beginning, that remembering versus That's two what, through yeah, four that, yeah. are that call to remember. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we, we even as, you know, people removed, you know, all these years from the, from the Israelites need to remember is that we need to remember. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's why, like, if you, if you're at a church and you're like watching somebody get baptized and I don't know, <clears throat> like to what extent your guys' churches do it, but if there's like a, like a quick story before if you see, if you do like a video montage or you get like kind of an idea of the person's backstory who's about to be baptized you hear this great story of how the person was like you know spiritually dead completely and their yep. their life is pure carnage and then God takes them out of that carnage and provides hope and provides a future for them at that moment a lot of times like we start to remember either our story the story of other friends you know we remember God saving us out of peril and bad situations over and over again and baptism is often like a great way to remember that and that's why i think like you know sometimes you you listen to a baptism story and you're like moved to tears because you're seeing god's great glory moving through and i think that's why i don't we may have talked about this one time on a, on a previous podcast but i think that's why or at least one of the reasons god gave so many different like holidays for the jewish people to to celebrate and to remember because all of those are based around events that god had done for them yeah. to honor and give glory to um, for them to remember what has been done, because I remember like growing up, because I grew up in a, um, I grew up in a Jewish uh, community, um, um, Jewish neighborhood, and I just was like, man, they are forever getting out of school. Like, <laughs> why do they have all of these holidays? Rosh Hashanah. Like, what is that? How come I don't get that off. <laughs> as I got older, I was like, oh, like these are to remember and to commemorate and to give glory to God because of what He's done, His this faithfulness that has existed for generation upon generation to give that glory back to him they celebrate those holidays and i was like that makes a whole lot of sense you know i i would love to because passover is the only one i've really ever observed but i need to do that i need to figure out some like touchstones that if you even look at like the the protestant liturgical calendar so the post you know the post birth of christ calendar the the you know the like what you do it's a, it's arranged the liturgical calendar is arranged in kind of a similar way that you're constantly remembering. Hmm. The thing is is that like you know, we're good Protestants. We don't need X Y and Z. You know, a lot of times we abandon you know some great ideals and great holidays because either it was too associated with Catholicism or it was too associated hmm. with, you know, something else or like we have freedom to, you know, as Paul says we can, you know, keep holy what days we want and we don't other days we don't have right. to to celebrate or whatever, but you start with like you know, we're, we're in, we're, is it Epiphany yet? I mean, is it St. Patrick's Day yet? Uh, no, no, uh, it's, it's the 4th of, it's, so we got, June. it's a, yeah. Six is, yeah. 
Um, so we do Christmas starting December 25th, but prior to that, you have Advent. Mm-hmm. So awaiting Christ's return or awaiting Christ's birth and kind of celebrating the, the already but not yet that Christ 